Hey guys, welcome back to Overthinking Pod. I'm Susie. I'm Layla. Hi. And before we begin, we'd just like to do an acknowledgement of country. We are currently on Wurundjeri land of the Kulin Nation. And we'd like to acknowledge that sovereignty has not been ceded and no treaties have been signed to date. Today we have Luca joining us. Hello. A very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself, Louis? No. no. Um, <laughs> my name's Luca. Uh, um, I'm good friends with both Susie and Layla. And yeah, I'm a Sagittarius. I'm queer. And my pronouns are they, he. Amazing, amazing. So first I wanted to get into the gay bachelorette because we know you'll have been watching as we have. So Luca, what are your initial thoughts? Um, so I'm only two episodes deep, so I'm a week behind. But I'm loving it. Um every part of my little queer soul loves it. Uh you know, Brooke, she's she's cute, she's um it's fun, I just love the you know, sure, like, some people are calling the diversity a bit, um... Hodgepodge. A bit hodgepodge. Yeah. But you know what? It's it's still representation. Yeah, yeah. I cried watching the first episode, not, not even gonna lie. Like, when there was the Welcome to Country, shed a little bit of a tear, I was like, this is just incredible. That, like, obviously, can we really reach true, like, queer liberation and, like, First Nations justice through The Bachelorette? Probably not. However, I do think that is an important step and I think we need to recognize that and just yeah like seeing women on the bachelorette as well as men competing it's just like it just makes me really happy and makes my heart quite warm mm, also for context for anyone who hasn't seen it which is unlikely but the bachelorette is a bisexual and is also a first nations person first person to do so yes and it is very exciting but I, I, I have been enjoying it, especially like a lot more than I have enjoyed past seasons. And it's like a lot more entertaining and less cringy, but still like the diversity factor. Like I really thought because it was like this like new queer season and obviously she's an indigenous woman, it would be like diverse cast, but it was still majority white. But obviously they're like you and yeah. lo- some, you lose some. Type I mean, of. I guess it still is mainstream media and it's still like channel 10. Is that what it is? That's an- I don't know how mm, networks yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. But mm. yeah, I would have loved to see like more diverse queer people because like it was all femmes. Like, oh my god, yes, Brooke <laughs> likes her femme. But also, technically, is that not challenging a narrative within itself to have two femme people yeah. not sitting within a very gender gender true, roles based true, true, true. relationship type? Yeah, it would have been nice to like. Yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I I do agree with what you're saying though. Mm, no, like, I get what you mean, and, like, obviously, Femme on Femme is underrepresented, but, like, I just kind of, like, as, like, a person who, like, maybe leans more into androgyny sometimes, I would have loved to see, like, like, because, like, literally none of the girls were wearing suits. Like, Brooke sometimes mm. comes out in her little, like, pantsuit, catch a vibe, whatever, but, like, everyone was just, like, in gowns and stuff, and I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like I had a high expectation. That's the issue. Mm. I feel like that's, like, yeah. like my fucking fatal flaw like I feel like I went in with like a lot of expectation so but it was still really good yeah I would agree with that so basically one of the reasons that we have brought in the lovely Luca today is because Luca and I are very big fans of just dissecting um just the shitstorm of internet discourse that we often come across. If you want to call it discourse. <laughs> if, you, if, you just, if you just want to call it like actual wackos. Yeah. Just, giving just wack opinions. Tumblr 2.0, mm-hmm, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and there has just been a lot of discourse in inverted, like in quotation marks, um, that I'd kind of like to discuss. Uh, I don't know if you guys are as chronically online as we are, but um, in recent, in the past week, there was an individual talking on TikTok about how if you send to men, I don't like you. If you, like, if you are a feminist and you send to men, like, that's a massive, massive no. And a lot of people took issue. I mean, there was like a lot more, actually. They kind of went in. They went for the kill. They were like, what did they say? Um... (laughs) They said something about queer people that are in hetero. Oh my god, yeah! Heterosexual relationships 
aren't queer? Or yeah. no, the relationship itself I'm gonna, queer. how about I insert the clip of them talking because I have that. I do not care if you are queer. If you center men in your life and in your relationships, I do not like you. I don't think that's cool, fun, or sexy. I don't think that deserves support. Like, patriarchy in the whole world already centers men to such a high degree. And regardless of your identity, if the whole way you go about your life, um, it, subliminally or not, is about romantically and platonically and emotionally relating to um, and sympathizing with men, that is your priority? I think that's weird and fucked up and that is what a lot of like pick me behavior type shit like looks like. Okay, so right off the bat, what do you guys, how do you feel when I play that? I don't feel cute, sexy or fun. No, no. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just tough because like, I think this is weird rhetoric in like the community where it's like, it's just uncool to like men, mm. which fucking sucks because I feel like at the start of this year I was like, like praying that I was a lesbian because I was like honestly fuck this like I can't I can't be seen as uncool the fuck like like how like dare I, but then like I don't know I think it's difficult because yeah you really can't help your attractions and like love is love until it's a cis marriage. Mm. <laughs> no seriously I, I saw someone like reacting to this and were like I hear so many people being like you know if you were like a true feminist you would be a lesbian they were like. It's not a very lesbian thing to say. Like, no. like I feel like we're going but doubling back. Like, like actually, it is a choice. <laughs> actually, it was a choice, and I chose this. Yeah. Like, and if you are attracted to men around it, like, obviously there are so many more nuances than this. But I really don't understand why you would not, why you would deny yourself that pleasure. And I think that there, I think that had they phrased it, if you sent to the patriarchy, that would make sense. Totally. But it just feels so petty to be like, I don't like you. Yeah. Like, mm. who the fuck said my life was about you liking me? Like, yeah. it just, it's like, you're centering you in all of our lives, but mm. we're the fuck ups for centering men, like an entire gender, half of the population in our lives. Like, don't play us like that. The fuck? <laughs> like, uh, oh my especially God. Especially because, like, I feel like the role that men play is, like, the role of, like, the voyeur and the watcher. So you've kind of, like, that whole, like, male gaze, which is a fucking media term, by the way, just saying. Like, it's real people, it's not the male gaze, like, shut up. But, um, basically, like, it's the, yeah, the all-male gaze, like, that is the voyeur, like, you're kind of acting towards that. If this person is like, I don't like you, I'm like, who made you, big brother? Literally. You know? And honestly, as someone that is, and I'm going to say this right, exclusively attracted to men and males... Um, which is a which, tragedy that is, I reflect on every single day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't mean we're not deeply in love. Thank you. Yeah. Thank um, I'm kind of like, what am I now? Yeah. Do I have to commit to asexuality? Like, it'd yeah. probably be better for my mental health, let's be real. <laughs> but, nonetheless, you know, mm. men, they have some pros. Some. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that, like, obviously, collective men, eh, mm. Individual men, I like a lot of them. Some of them I hate, you know what I mean? And I just think that it's like, I think it's such a take that lacks so much nuance. Like, I really, I think that, like, obviously, I think we should be doing our part to decenter, like, patriarchal thinking and, like, obviously further ourselves from that. But I don't think that that comes from, like, quitting men cold turkey. Like, I just don't think that that is something that's going to help us or, like, feasible. At all, and I feel that it's implying that lesbianism or women loving women doesn't centre patriarchal norms. Facts, facts. What will you do for Zuby? I feel like I literally tried to do this though. Like, I feel like I tried. Like, my work was all women. Um, Like, I only have female or AFAB friends. And, like, (laughs) two. Two AMAB friends. Like, I don't interact with men at all. Like, my family are all women. Like, Mm. I tried and it just didn't work because it's impractical in a world that is almost Mm. half men. Like, I fucking tried. Like, I want to, like, text this bitch and be like, I tried for you. Like, I tried (laughs) to do sentiment entirely. But it just doesn't work because there are places like like my workplace where I have to interact with men and there's no avoiding it. And then carrying those attitudes of, like, fuck all men just made me unhappy. Literally. And it was so not conducive to, like, me feeling comfortable around men. Because, Mm. like, that is, like, obviously... 
like it's on men to facilitate comfortable spaces and stuff like that but it's like i was creating my own discomfort yeah, yeah. like and now I'm going to search for a straight male bestie if any of you guys are interested. <laughs> <laughs> Applications are over. Open. Send us a message to overthinking. over.thinkingpod on Instagram. Yeah, hit my line. <gasps> yeah, hit him up. But yeah, and I think that like this also like... Oh my god, so then they go on to say that like basically bisexuals in a relation... In a... Like cis bisexuals in a quote-unquote heterosexual relationship are not queer which i think is literally the most insane thing like i think that that is so like obviously like the relationship itself is queer but like obviously your queerness is not contingent on you acting on that in that moment Mm. because otherwise we would not have like we would have way less like queer people in the world and it's like no matter who the fuck i am no matter who i'm dating like any relationship I'm in, it's not necessarily like a, I don't know, it's not necessarily a queer relationship, but it, like Loki would be because I'm in it, but like I'm not, I'm not gonna be like um, a relationship that I'd be in a man with, in with a man is like sticking one to heteronormativity, but yeah, I just found that like a really like unnecessary jab, yeah. I think that it was super hypocritical because it makes queerness an individual experience rather mm. than a community ah. one. Yeah. Queerness is so, so much about community, so, like, fuck off for making it about, like, who you're fucking. Mm. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. And I feel like it just bothered me because I feel like they're the type of person who would understand queer community, so I don't understand how they could have such a disconnect. Mm. No, true. It just gives me, like, very much, like, radical lesbianism vibes and... That's not the vibe. We don't really like that. It is not. No. Um, I do have a lot of problems with radical lesbianism. Give it. Let us know. Uh, and it's some of it. I think it's just some of it. I just think isn't. But anyway, I I kind of have a theory that radical lesbianism is following the same path that feminism was in the second wave. Whereas a lot, where the a lot of now second wave feminists then who were being at the time radical mm. are now kind of just rooted in views that aren't up to date. Yeah. I.e. Terps. Like, God, are you studying gender studies? <laughs> I, I, I might be, yeah. And not that, well, you know, radical lesbianism is that as an absolute, but I definitely think that you can make comparisons and it's following the same path. Mm. I just think it's very, like, idealistic and can often be a bit hateful. Mm. And I think that also just being like, I don't like, like, being like, I'm completely getting rid of men in my life. I think that really kind of negates agency of individuals. Like, I think that obviously, like, men as an institution, (laughs) like, not great. But I think that being like, oh, I hate men and I'm not going to interact with men. It's just kind of like, I feel like so much of what we do as feminists is to be like, I don't even know. I just think I just think that it like takes agency away from like people and men and I think that like we're never gonna the fact is the fact is, right, we're not gonna get liberation by factioning off. No. That's that's just a fact. Like we're actually just not and like I understand that like maybe you have your like your idealistic dream of like running away and like living in a lesbian commune. Sure, we all do. And either <laughs> either do that But like either do that or get the fuck out of here. Like I feel like I'm saying like shit that could be interpreted as controversial. Well, I mean, I guess it is controversial. But it doesn't anyway. matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. I also do want to preface. Um, lesbians, we do owe a lot of credit to them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, we just don't like when they're mean. Exactly, and not all takes a heart. But it's not. No. Oh my god. Fuck no. But it's not about lesbians, right? It's about wackos saying whack shit. And that should never be, like, aligned with, like, lesbianism. Like, mm. radical or, like, political lesbianism is very different to, like, actually just being a fucking lesbian. Mm. And, like, I really, really, really should not to conflate the two because, like, as I was saying, like, not as I was saying, but this person comes in and they posted it, posted this video, and obviously some pretty dud takes. But a lot of people kind of came in with that and came in with, like, quiet lesbophobic rhetoric. And that is honestly just not what we do. That is not how we combat people saying dodgy shit like that. It's just bigotry, guys. Mm. No, I think to go back to what you were saying about, like, how this goes against, like, us as feminists is, like, that whole idea that, like, we will not achieve liberation without men. Like, mm. it, it, we... Which sucks! Like, it does suck, but, like, 
like it's not we need them but it's like we need them to understand like their place in society and we do need to kind of put a bit of labor into educating them because otherwise because it's like obviously in the ideal world it's like they would just not exist and patriarchy wouldn't exist but that's not the world we're fucking living in Mm. and it's either you're aiding in them like unpacking them like in terms like their misogyny and shit or you're not you know Mm, what i mean and i feel like us just being like fuck all men it's like it just like if it were like you know we're just like communism works in theory that kind of shit it's like but like in practice it's just like that's not the world we're living in at the moment yeah but yeah like i would like to add in a little anecdote because this really unexpectedly sweet thing happened to me at work and i'd like to share it because i was very caught off guard and this is like the testament to like straight men but this is a dude in my work who i like didn't like is kind of a dickhead he's like a straight dude but we were talking and he was like i'm just not around people who like talk about this stuff or who know about this stuff or people like that and i was like mm. and then i was saying something and he was like yeah i don't even know what that word means and i was like oh ally and he was like yeah like i've never heard that before and i was like oh it's like people who like support or advocate for like marginalized communities or whatever and then he was like oh it's like ally like in a game like in like a game or like sports when you're like on their team He's like, I really like that. Mm. And he's like, I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> he'd like never heard it before. And he was like one of the most endearing moments because men's like, it was just like, we like we use these words so often that they lose meaning, but then to like mm. literally see someone have that moment of it mm. all clicking, like, oh, you're like an ally on a team. That makes so much sense. It was like really like heartwarming. And I was like, honestly, you're still a dickhead, but like it makes me understand that like, like maybe it is worth putting in a bit of time to make them understand like like how to like sympathize with you and how mm. to be a better ally how mm. to learn about this these like vocab and stuff like that you yeah know? totally i do want to also want to add an anecdote about the word ally um at my work there used to be a placard that said ally and this was like the age of the plebiscite in um australia yeah. and oh my God, let's talk about the plebiscite okay, okay uh, and one of the regulars thought it said Ali <laughs> and thought that a person at my work was called Ali and to this day he calls her, hey Ali, close to her name, but yeah, no, no. she's just a keen ally. Facts. Okay. So yeah, I want to, I want to like ask some questions about like the marriage equality plebiscite because I remember you, Luca and I, we were, that was in 2014, 2015. 2016. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was really recently. 2016. Mm. Oh my God. So we all knew each other then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, like, where were you guys, like, with your queerness, and how did the plebiscite make you feel? Because, like, it was, it was, like, a very, like, a hot topic. It was, like, do we give the gays rights? <laughs> do we let, do we let, like, guys, do we think they should marry, yay or nay? It's also not legally binding. Hmm. So, it's, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, how did you guys feel about that, and where were you? I remember. We were year eight, for we were, yeah. yeah. I kind of remember a spotlight feeling like a spotlight mm. was falling on me in at home but also um at school and in mm. social circles because I'd, I'd been out for maybe a year and a half at that point and it was very daunting and I didn't really understand the weight of it yeah um but I also just tried to disconnect from it because mm. you know it's much easier to do that than take on oh can I have rights please mm. you know I think in many ways I understood the weight of it more than I do now, if that makes sense. Like, I remember kind of being at, like, just witnessing being on the precipice of something and, like, being on the edge of, like, something could go kind of either one way or the other in terms of, like, what is, like, is that a human, is marriage a human right? I don't think it is. A right, an important (laughs) right. Um, And just, I think that the magnitude of it was not lost on me whereas Mm. i feel like now that's something that i like laugh and joke about yeah but i think that like 14 year old layla was pretty pressed and she was pretty excited to um yeah like see what could happen because i feel like that was probably when i was most connected to the queer community other than like the past year or so because like did I? I can't like go back into the closet. But if, if you asked me if I was queer in like year ten, I would like probably said no. <laughs> you put a bookmark in. That's fine. You picked it up like that. Yeah. Had a hiatus. <laughs> yeah. Hiatus. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Dip your toe into heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. And like it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> oh 
my god. Yeah, actually, at the time of the plebiscite, I was in alley. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know. I didn't really, like, come out into, like, properly into, like, year 10 or 11 or something yeah. like that. Either way, yeah, at the time, we were, like, in year 8, crushing on white boys, living my best life. Still are. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I remember, like... Every gay bitch wrote like you don't need to do persuasive yeah. essays in like year seven and eight. Like I, I wrote one on like <laughs> one, like every every alley like in like the early years of high school wrote like an essay or did like a presentation on like why gay people deserve to live <laughs> like and then later it like all comes full circle and mm. you're like oh I, I see what I did then <laughs> but yeah I don't think I was very like politically charged at that age I kind of mm. had my head in the sand to be mm. honest yeah. so I feel like I'm kind of going through a burying my head in the sand phase at the moment like I feel like I just got to a point where I was like thinking is too much thinking my implications is too much no we're not gonna do that um so when I was young I was like luchando like I don't really this is not really a word for that but yeah, I definitely, I think that, like, what I'm really glad about kind of coming to terms with my identity when I was younger, before diving back into heterosexuality or whatever, is that I feel like I learned a lot about history and about, like, queer history and, like, the foundation of things. So I think that now when I kind of come back into queer spaces, like, often being kind of, like, a very feminine presenting person, like, someone that, you know... A bisexual, if you will, I guess. Um, <laughs> queer. Someone who is queer and very feminine presenting. Like, sometimes I felt that, like, I do not belong in certain spaces. Also, like, white faces or whatever. But I think that, like, knowing my history and knowing all of that has provided me, like, a really good, solid foundation. And I'm just really grateful that I know what's kind of come before because that allows me to appreciate what I have now, I guess. Mm. Especially because so much, like, there's so much, like, especially in, like, the United States and the West, like, the the influence of Latin Americans on that. And that makes me very proud and very connected to that. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I feel a very similar way. And, you know, I I never went back into the closet or took my hiatus, if you will. Um, but I, I do remember that one thing that I struggled with in the era of the plebiscite was that I felt that my queerness has been reduced a to a vote, but mm. also my voice on it was about marriage. Okay, talk about that. Like it was just that kind of like I want more than just all of this conversation and discourse, if you will, um, to be yeah centered around marriage, one thing. That, mm. Sure, it's very important to a lot of people. It is very important. And very culturally significant. But also at the same time, I mean, 14-year-old me wasn't thinking about marriage. I'm still not thinking about marriage, except for Layla, of course, who is my safety wife. We, oh my god, actually, fun fact of... for the podcast. <laughs> We're actually safety spouses. And if we are both single at the age of 20, mm-hmm. uh, we will be getting married. And I have a bunch of citizenships that I can give to Luca. 20. Um, 20, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby, you're 19. <laughs> like, I am 19. So, um, wedding invites for December of 2022 mm-hmm. will be coming your way. I can't tell if it's a joke anymore, in all seriousness. I hope it isn't. I hope it's not either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, other than that, marriage is not on my mind. Yeah. Um, so, I, I did actually kind of go, well, what is queerness to me? Like, mm. what, why... And then that's when I started to 13 kind of... 13-year-old Luca being like, whoa. I know, I know. My first critical thought. Um, and so that's when I started to dive into, yeah, this kind of stuff. Which, you know, I think has served me in yeah. some ways and in some ways hasn't. But yeah. I think especially like being white. Like, I think that growing up, like, quite like, white and, like, quite materially privileged. Like, I think that, like... You know. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we're in fucking Australia. Like, we're all kind of material, we're all materially privileged, but, like, I think that... Maybe you let Lucas say that one, you know? Okay. <laughs> like, you know how you grew up white and materially privileged? That's true. Like, oh, it's true. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think that that's like really important because I feel like you, I'm not, I'm going to cut this out, but you used to be fucking annoying us about it. And you remember that. I do. We still, I we do. talk about no, it. No, no. shit we talk about. It's, I think about it. Yeah, you're a fucking pain. I was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my way. Um, my life is so hard as a white gay, which obviously like, yeah. I had an era. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, yeah, your life is hard. Yeah. As the ally I was, I was like, that shit must be. Thank you that was tough. Honestly, good allyship. Um, well, no, like up until only maybe a few years ago, yeah. did I kind of again? I used to play the oppression Olympics. That's what I mean. That's what I was talking about. And it's that we, I think, we see it a lot in queer spaces, especially. Where it's people, yeah, will aim try and rank their oppression, but also it kind of seems like, oh, like one for every marginalized identity you have, it's like you're on the same playing field. Interesting. What do you mean by that? So, like, I know that I remember I had conversations with a few of my queer friends that were white and, um, you know, raised with in Australia with a lot of financial privilege, etc., um, much like myself. And they, this isn't verbatim, but they mentioned that their whiteness is on par with that of a cishet person of colours. The fuck does that mean? That is evil. Sorry, sorry, their, <laughs> sorry, sorry, their queerness is on par with the um, racial identity. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah like, like, I have one thing, they have, have one, one thing. thing. Exactly. <laughs> You oh know, goodness, it's, it, so it's like a building system. Yeah. And in that time, again, I was maybe 15 at the time. Mm. Um, for record, I did not. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I didn't know how to process that or how to respond to it. But I knew it's, it sounded wrong. Yeah. And now I feel like I can put into words why that is wrong and I understand that. Um, but I definitely think that's reflective of a lot of, especially in Melbourne, Australia, where we are, a lot of white queer people's. Views on these things, maybe sure not to that extreme, but you know, it's that thing of oh, my queerness and this person's breast, or you know, makes me on par with a different type of oppression. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I think that's tough. Like, I feel like, especially the building block system, because of like. Like, I feel like different parts of my identities have like diff- affected me at different times. Like, for the first, like, 16 years of my life, it was, like, the fact that I was poor was, like, pressing to me because people made fun of me for it. You know what I mean? But now I'm, like, making my own coins, it's fine. And I don't think it's that deep, and I'm, like, proud of where I've come from. Mm. But, like, I think that with the building block system, it's, like, this shit is just so different. And also, like, as a person who, like, grew up poor, ethnic, fucking gay a woman and now is like not like gender non-conforming i'm like bitch try me yeah <laughs> like oh like i'm i'm like gay so like like person of color experience like we have the same thing it's like no like this shit is so complicated mm. because like times are changing with like obviously how people accept race and sexuality but on different timelines and with different contexts like it's just mm. different shit I just don't think it's like I just think it's so beyond useless and like pointless and it's just like I don't understand why we need to quantify hurt and like yeah. shit things like I just really think that we should be allowed to like look at them and deal with them for what it like and just like look at something for what it is and not for what it represents like on a certain scale because I think that once we have a look at like things like racial discrimination discrimination based on sexuality gender i think that once we take that away from like the experience and make it into something kind of clinical and quantifiable you take away all the essence of it and it's Mm. just like it's absolutely useless to look at because what are these experiences like what are they Mm. if not human experiences they're not fucking things that you can graph and i think that like like on tiktok a lot as well like i think that there are a lot of like there's a lot of um there's a tendency to do that and I don't necessarily agree with it and I think that um we wear identities as if they're the same thing for everybody Mm. and I think that just because like like I feel like when it comes like a person of color identity for example I think that we act like it is all the same and obviously it is there are a lot of similarities like common threads however like I think that it's absolutely ridiculous to act as if like my experience is the same as like even my fucking twin brothers because it's not so 
I think that we should just treat these things as like experiences first and like then I guess in a way sociological findings very 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 much second yeah no totally and I think that's something that is lost in a lot of discourse Mm. in quotations whether online whether in journals whatever because it doesn't center lived experiences yeah and of course you know we can't rely solely on that but i do yeah that needs to be brought brought to the forefront Mm. Mm. i think like i'm trying to like wear them less as like badge of honor like been through shit type things and instead using it as like something to contextualize like i was just like reflecting i was like oh my god did i just do that and i'm like i mean to state my identities in a way to contextualize why i feel that way about white queer people saying that kind of stuff but i feel like it's just complicated because i feel like like yeah i do agree that we should take them for as experiences rather than as like merit points Mm. to your like i don't know how oppressed you are or whatever yeah. yeah, they're not like Pokemon gym badges. <laughs> mm, it's not a punch card system. It, lit- it really yeah. isn't a punch card system. And I, I, yeah. Do you think that, like, how successful do you think that discourse can be on, like, social media? Not at all. Not at all? Okay. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Let's go. First of all, I TikTok is not the place for discourse. Facts. A, because short form media, I don't think it works. Like, yeah. it's, it's, you can't, for it to be discourse, I think there has to be critical thoughts. There yeah. has to be not just your opinion, and it has to be some kind of dialogue. Mm. And genuinely, there's too many roadblocks on TikTok. Like, with the video we were talking about previously, that creator turned off their comments, off their stitches, <laughs> off their duets. So, you've been waiting to mention Yeah, this. I have been. It just, be, so, it, it's no longer, it's no longer discourse, it's basically just slander yeah you're just now you're just screaming Frame is discourse exactly now you're just screaming yeah and i think that and you know i understand why it can be seen as discourse because it's talking about you know these theories these ideas um but also at the same time it's not necessarily a conversation it's not mm. it's not it's not yeah it's not critical critically thinking yeah you know i tell you the most jarring thing that happened to me the other day. I was listening to a podcast talking about feminism and they were like, yeah, an internet feminism. And I had a split second where I was like, where I thought, what isn't? And then I was like, oh my God. Like, I like, I almost threw my phone across the room when, when I heard that. I was just so horrified. Like, because I think that I, I really grew up in like, real life feminist spaces and obviously we have been pretty much 50 50 in lockdown since we were 17 so forgive us for like the majority of like advocacy and kind of quote-unquote activism kind of comes from online but like the fact that for a second i was like feminism off the internet like girl what the fuck what the fuck but like it's so true. I can't really... Obviously, because we've been in lockdown, we have just gotten out of lockdown. But I can't remember the last time I was actually involved in, like, real-life activism stuff. And that was something that was a very big part of my life and my identity and, like, the way that I conducted myself as a feminist. And now I've just been fucking reduced to, like making little talky videos on TikTok that I will not respond to anyone on because I'm lazy, not because I don't want to interact. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. What do you got? Yeah. I mean, it is, to me, it's still real life. Like, and, I, and you know, because as we saw last year, when we couldn't necessarily go outside to do activism. <laughs> touch for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the internet became a really powerful and important place for for activism. Yeah. Just not solely. Yeah. And also, of course, like, things like higher education and stuff like that. Of course, not everyone has access to it. Yeah. So, yes, I do think that the internet is a really good place. I think think it's a good place. But to start. Of course. And I really, like, I just, it was just so shocked that, like, so much, like... 
yeah, I think it's a fantastic place to start, but I really don't think that it just can't stop there. And I think that it just does so often. And I would, I would barely call my university classes like feminist makers. Like there was a kid in my sociology class that was like, I had not really thought about my like my white privilege and male privilege until this year. And I was like, oh, true. Like he was a cool guy, but I was like, Jesus. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That is fucking jarring. And like, I, yeah, I, I feel like so many people, like, in. Because I take, like, a bit of, like, kind of political classes and stuff, and I see people kind of coming out with takes that I've, like, literally, like, seen verbatim online. And that's, like, all well and good. I'm like, okay, cool, like, gather your information however you're gonna do it. But it's just, like, so jarring that, like, such a large portion of it is. Because I just think so much gets, so much gets lost, and I was on a picnic and I was talking to a girl the other day and she was talking about how like she wasn't in uni but you know she was kind of like living out of home she'd worked a lot of like really really shit jobs and she was like you know what like I actually just do have a good conception about how like class and discrimination based on that works and she was like and there were people that I went that like I'm around that go to uni that were trying to like explain it through theory and she was like well no but I know these things Mm. and obviously I think that theory can be used to consolidate um what you already know and that's what my sociology class was for me this semester like a lot of my we read about a lot of things that some of them I had personal lived experience in but then like reading through academics kind of gave me the vocabulary and consolidated that but I just think that like I don't know like there's there's no uh substitute for actual physical action I don't think I think I I don't necessarily view TikTok as like a platform for like I think that the way I view activism like yeah when I think of activism I still think of like real life stuff when I think of TikTok I think of information you know what I mean and like to me there's like a difference between those two things like I will follow like diverse creators so then I have that information so that I have, like, greater knowledge, but not because, like, I don't know. But I'd just like to diminish people's online activism. No. Mm, but no, it's just yeah. to say that that's, like, the way I view it. I think the sharing information is still activism, though. Then I think that TikTok activism can be really effective. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, I do think it can be effective. But, yeah, I just think that, like, I guess kind of growing up, like, the way that I did and having the basis in, like, um, you know... Yeah, like activism that I did, it kind of, I feel like, maybe this is wrong, but I feel like I've regressed, like a lot. And I think that, you know, like I, I don't know if I am the girl that like started Northcote High's Feminist Collective, but like, yeah, I just, I just don't necessarily think that I'm that person anymore that kind of was so gung-ho about everything, because I really was. But equally, as we've grown up, as the internet's expanded, I guess also activism has to change too, as we've seen. So I don't think you can blame yourself for not being the same, for your activism looking the exact same as it did five years ago when so much has changed since. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that... I'm experiencing like, the difference between like actually being on the ground and organizing and like doing the stuff online. But I think that I would like to kind of get back to more organizing and stuff like that because nothing, there is no, nothing better than like community organizing. Oh God, if you're bored, if you need direction in life, check that out. It's the best. It's just... I think like a manifestation of me wanting to be like less oppression Olympicsy is like focusing more on my allyship rather than my activism. So I think that what's the difference? Because I feel like my allyship is listening and like mm. I, and TikTok can be really effective for that. And I would mm. be like listening to other people's like experiences and stuff like that. Whereas I feel like so I don't feel like a regression in myself because mm. I'm like oh no in this season I'm focusing on being like like a good person like like the straight way men I wish I had <laughs> to other communities so I feel like that is just as important yeah definitely and yeah so that's why I think like that is like you don't need to feel that way obviously like you yeah. can feel your feelings but like no I just guess that like I just it was just so like 
being in the spheres that I was were just so fulfilling. And I think that, like... And I think that I, like, I was also just, like, in areas that were about, like, allyship. I mean, like, I guess, like, when I was younger, my mum was part, like... She ran this, like, Diaspora Action Australia. Um, and they worked with a lot of, like, diaspora groups and, like, peace building and conflict resolution. And I was kind of, like... I'd always go, on, go along to that sort of thing. Like, I knew a lot about, like, the experiences of refugees. Like, I spoke a lot to... A lot of people from a lot of different ethnic groups and their experiences in Australia and stuff. And I think that was really great for, um, I guess, but I, mean, I also guess that's just like me as like an individual and that's like my kind of calling, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Are there ways that you're like actively pursuing that now? Mm, not so much. I mean, I guess like in terms of like allyship, I guess like. I'm reading, I'm listening, I'm, like, doing other things. But I think that, like, I miss the rallies. I miss the, like, just going to different events and speaking to different people at, like, said events. Because even then, that just, like, changes it up, I guess. So I recently saw this post on Instagram. And it was about someone kind of talking about, like, the fetishization of WLW relationships. And they said they were, like, straight people and straight girls and bisexual women, like, have a lot to answer for for the fetishization of WLW relationships because they'll, like, go to clubs and, like, get with girls and they'll, like, post photos getting with girls. And it's, like, bestie. I literally think that the difference between a straight woman and a bisexual woman is the fact that, um... Bisexual women like women. Mm. Also, I feel like in such a society, I feel like so many attacks of bisexuality are only against women. And I think that, like, we hold the bitches to such a high standard. We hold the girlies to such a... We hold the girlies to such a high standard. And I really, really think that, like, men are just absolutely not... Well, no, men are just absolutely not treated that way. And I think that, like... Obviously, when talking about the fetishization of WLW relationships, that's kind of... A whole different kettle of fish, I guess, because um, MLM huh, relationship, <laughs> and that's multi-level marketing <laughs> yeah. for all the people at home. Yeah, but like men loving men relationships is obviously like not sexualized to the same degree, uh, and kind of this person, yeah, <laughs> no, but like obviously in mainstream media, just yeah. like objectively, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm open to be fetishized in any MLM relationship. I have. No, I'm just letting the people know. You can consensually fetishize me. I actually don't know if you can, but I think it's another like. That's oh. that's, a, that's another conversation. <laughs> basically, like I just think that when talking about like one, I just don't understand why the fuck you would bring bisexual women into that. I think that that's like Loki a fair thing to say about straight women. Because, um, who, like, not gonna lie, like, sometimes straight girls at Yaya's a bit mean. Um, <laughs> and it's just, like, not that nice. Um, but I just really don't understand why you would bring bisexuals into that. Like, I just thought that was so uncalled for. And I just think that, like, there's just such, like, a condition, like, placed upon that. Because, like, legitimately, ontologically, there is no difference between a bisexual woman in a relationship with a woman and a lesbian in a relationship with a woman. The discrimination based on that relationship, not the sexuality, because lesbians and bisexuals obviously face different issues, but the, the, like, the oppression you face for that relationship, no one's going to be like, oh, wait, no, she's bi, okay, guys, mm. guys, let's start, let's cut it out with the fetishization. Um, so I really don't understand why you would like separate that. I mean, like, I know that there are... I don't know, because I just feel like I sound like a bit of a pick-me, but I guess I feel like as a, again, like as a feminine-presenting queer person who also likes men, I feel like there have been a lot of times in my life in which my sexuality has been invalidated. And I just think, like, seeing that just kind of reminded me of, like, so many times where I, pe well, I never felt like I'm not queer enough, but I know that other people have, and they will have told me that. So I guess, like, seeing that, just, like, makes me like not feel good and I think that it's kind of 
that distancing from the queer community is probably one of the reasons that I have like the hot takes about the queer community that I do have because I do actually feel like sometimes it's just not been there for me you know yeah I feel like it's so interesting whenever we talk because like yeah so Lena and I it's like to be practical I guess bisexuals but to be who we are queer yes that is the word but like I feel like we were in such a same similar position at the end of last year, but then I just chose to change so it'd be easier. <laughs> like my fucking long haired, never kissed a girl ass in December last year. Like just yeah. absolutely struggle bus as fuck. Like just like oh my god, like no girls will ever like me. I feel so distant from the quick me. I don't feel like any like I just didn't feel like appreciated at all. And then I was just like, actually, I'm just gonna change because it'll be easier yeah. that way. So was that like a um cognizant thing no i also wanted to like i wanted to cut my hair i like wanted all that but Mm. i also just think that it just made things so much easier like i think like i had this huge mentality that because i wasn't like sexually active with women or afabs that i was like a lesser queer Mm. because i think that my ideas of queerness weren't like at the time weren't as surround like weren't like didn't center community as much but it more centered that individual experience Mm. that who you're fucking who you're dating whatever and I feel like that was, like, annoying. Yeah. But I feel like we can't blame you for that, because... Did we say we were? No, true. <laughs> yeah. Because... Um, <coughs> considering how passing affects so many people... To, yeah. I just... I have, like, just a side note. I'm so sorry for, like, cutting you off. You're horrible. I know, right? But, like, with passing, I feel like that's such a discussion um, that is always, like, had. <laughs> when it comes to discussion, I'm a habit. <laughs> but basically, like, I feel like it's so much. Like, people outside of that community. Oh, yeah, no, my question is basically, who decides what passing is? Is it people outside the community or is it people inside the community? Because I feel like I've had so many white people and so many straight people being like, you look straight and white. But, like, if you, like, Latin Americans are like, yeah... They can't be and stop speaking Spanish to me. Like, gay bitches, no. Like, like who who are we giving this to? I mean, I don't know if I can answer the question. There As the is... resident patriarch. Yeah, hello. Um, no, but I mean, there is a lot of theory behind this stuff. Yeah. Um, which even I don't really know about, but... I, I think even I even I <laughs> a first year Jenna study student. What are you studying? Study? I'm sorry. As a um person that's done a whole two gender studies credits. <gasps> um, no. Uh, so, but to my understanding, it's the the dominant, mm. whoever that may be. But then also again, it is reinforced in community mm. because people are just trying to survive. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think that it's like, but like I don't understand like why people within that like accept that if you know what i mean sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's it's not conscious to them yeah i mean like i don't know i I just think i just think it's ridiculous like listening to kind of white people being like no you look white when if you ask anyone who is not it just it's like that's just like kind of a frustration that i have but sorry what were you saying before i cut you off no i'm (laughs) also the other thing is like these often these Markers mm. come from real life to make it easier to control people. Yeah. Again, to my knowledge, could be wrong, um, but I think that's where where passing originates from. Yeah. It's... Oh my god, I'm actually so stupid. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Not stupid. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, like, how do you feel? Like, do you ever feel like? not queer enough or like by basis of like other people's things again <coughs> um it's funny i've been out for a very long for what i feel like is a very long time mm. objectively um, so yeah so i've never felt not necessarily queer enough because especially being one of the first people to come out during high school <laughs> i know the og um you'll stole my gimmick but that's okay no, um, which you know, again, I can, I could afford to do, which is a different conversation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's I've always kind of been put in that box mm. for a very long time, and 
kind of had to, in some situations, pick up that gauntlet. So I've never felt mm. that my queerness has been necessarily... Um, I haven't even felt queer enough, but I definitely think that people try to find how queer they are in how oppressed they are. Yeah. You know, like when the white gays go, I'm illegal in 74 countries or something like that. It's just, it's just like, okay. Yeah. That again, we do not have time for that conversation. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think it just gets to a point where it's like, you really like obviously this is like the fact of life this is the secret of life you just gotta stop you gotta live life for you and stop caring about what other people think and that is hard but like genuinely if someone has a fucking opinion on your queerness what what of it like okay it's just not that deep well it is but like it's also not yeah it's not on you yeah, no, it's not on you. And you just got to, like, keep living your life no matter what. Because... Mm. Oh, I was going to say I had a quick thought on, like, the whole, like, dominant thing. Because, I like, you guys... You said, like, sometimes it's, like, not... It's, like, subconsciously people change. I was like, I didn't realise that I changed for it to be easier until later on. Mm. Like, yeah. I think I also wanted to change. But I think it's just, like... Sometimes it's just, like, easier to, like, conform and make your life better than it yeah. is to, like, fight. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Really and again, I'm, I don't always think conformity is a bad thing. No. No. Or at least not a morally bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I don't think anyone can be, like, placed morally responsible for conforming. No. And I think that, like, I see that happen in, um... I think there's a difference between a pick-me and, like, conforming to patriarchal standards. Like, I'm just gonna pop that out there. I think that so many times, like, you see that conforming... Like, honestly, and it's not like the girlies are necessarily, like, doing it for funsies. Like, we're kind of doing it because we're, like, conditioned and it makes life easier to kind of conform to these patriarchal standards. But I just don't think that, like, that is inherently pick-me behaviour. And I think that, like, I feel like pick-me has also become a bit of a buzzword as well. In the sense that we're like, oh, it's a pick-me. Or she's just existing under patriarchy in the most comfortable way possible. And sometimes it is just that. Any final thoughts? What are, oh, yeah. Any final thoughts? No. No, you gotta have one. I, gotta, I have to <laughs> yeah, have yeah, one. Yeah. Oh, for a free. Um, come back to you. Yeah, come back <laughs> okay. to me. Okay, um, My final thoughts are, in my personal experience, just looking more gay made like my life a little bit harder but like in the queer community a lot easier so i feel like it's kind of like a pick your battles type thing Mm. like where do you want to feel comfortable and where do you want to feel less comfortable and there's always a compromise facts i think i'm gonna say sit in the sun besties this is gonna come out on thursday on wednesday so you're gonna miss the nice day but enjoy coming out of lockdown and i really really hope that in coming out of lockdown We are just not giving a fuck what people think. I think, I just hope that we are lying in the sun and laughing and sipping our little cocktails in the little beer gardens. And yeah, that's that's all there really is. Mm. And my final thought is like, your queerness is what you make of it. Live your life and be a good ally. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming, Luba. Thank you for having me. It has been an an absolute joy. Yes. Truly. Yeah. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed. Ciao. Bye. Bye.